The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. At times it seems like when you work on your professional career, your personal life seems to fall behind. Then, when you work on improving your personal obligations, the professional part of your life begins to suffer. Is there any way to keep them both humming along at a successful pace? Welcome to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. We'll take the guesswork out of which part of you is more important and show you the success stories of others that can help you realize that you can manage it all. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life, the show that gives you inspiration, insight, and intelligence into life's challenges. My name's Dr. Howard Rankin, and along with my co-host, Leah Mattinson, we have a great show for you today. Well, Leah, how are you doing? How's your week been? (laughs) My week has been fantastic as usual, always really busy and... uh, uh, full of positive things. How about your week, Howard? Uh, mine's been pretty good as I recover, as you know, from my uh, accident that I had a couple of weeks ago, so I'm, I'm on the mend. But I'm more interested to hear about you because you're always doing positive things. And, you know, you shared with us in our second show about your challenge uh, being positive for Huntington's disease and how it was your intent to do whatever you could from a lifestyle perspective, uh, psychologically, behaviorally, whatever, to make sure that you kept that as bay as long as possible. So tell us a little bit about how that's been going this week. Oh, it's uh, well, it's been fantastic. I have been uh, journaling, as I always do, about who I am and who I want to be, which is what we encourage our listeners to do. Uh, I do daily exercise, so I either ride horses or I do kettlebell. I don't do anything too extreme. I used to be really extreme, and I've, I have actually... Um, I would say work more into a minimum effective dose training, something that's a, that's a little more manageable in the lifestyle that I have now. And I think from a positive um, psychology sort of perspective, uh, I surround myself with the people that I love and that are good um, people and full of good positive energy. Uh, also, uh, just on a, I'm always, I think, always setting new goals for myself. And that really is like a day-to-day thing. And a really good example, yesterday I have had um, just our kids are all off school for the summer or a bunch of them. So we've been trying to find them things to do around the house, you know, that are productive. In our house we have a ranch, so, um, you know, good productive things outside, painting fences, and our kids are teenagers, the ones that are are still around the home. And uh, I got actually a little bit discouraged because I couldn't seem to figure out something from my own business with a computer program. And I was sitting there struggling with that, and then I actually went and laid down, which I don't normally do. And and I just had this kind of thought go through my head of, 
you know what, maybe you should just, you know, stay in bed for the afternoon. And then immediately upon that, I think I've just trained myself to actually go, uh, no, that's actually not okay. <laughs> so I hopped up and went outside. And immediately as soon as I was outside, I felt better. I went out to the garden and dug some potatoes for supper and got supper on the go. Um, but one of the things that I have noticed in the management of of disease is just how important it is to take action um, that my brain can really start taking over things with thoughts instead of moving into activity so so that's kind of my note of the week is that when I'm when I'm feeling discouraged it's usually because I'm thinking things that aren't very positive and so when I move into activity it takes me out of that um, immediately immediately yeah, well, that's a that's a great lead into today's guests, and we're very privileged to have two wonderful neurologists, very very experienced and renowned, uh, Dean and Ayesha Shazai, uh, who are from Los Angeles. Um, they have clinical connections with Cedar Sinai and academic connections with Loma Linda University. Welcome, Dean. Welcome, Ayesha. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. Yes, and it's interesting. Um, I know how uh, much you set store in lifestyle behaviors and the impact on the brain, not just in later in life, but throughout life. And it was just interesting hearing, you know, uh, Leah's journey of of how she's trying to do that. Um, Just to help the listeners get oriented here, perhaps perhaps Aisha, first you could tell us a little bit about how you got into this field and and what you're doing. Sure. So I got into medicine because uh, my grandfather was a physician and just the idea of being able to help others and he was a big champion of of serving others and a very kind man. So I got into medicine because of him and um, while growing up, I I saw him become um, weaker and weaker as he grew older. He was, you know, a very, very strong man. And then um, very early in his life, early 60s, he was um, diagnosed with some sort of a neurodegenerative disorder. Back then, we weren't quite sure. But now I know that he had uh, probably Parkinson's disease with Lewy mm-hmm. body dementia, which is a yeah, type of dementia where people have movement disorders and they have hallucinations. So, this incredible man um, started getting weaker and weaker and losing his his memories to the point where he was unable to recognize his children and his grandchildren. And I saw my my father and my mother suffering um, because of his his deficits. And when I grew up and went into medical school, that became an aim for me to to learn about the brain and about brain diseases and how to treat them and prevent them. Mm-hmm. And uh, throughout my career, um, I realized that um, prevention is of utmost importance. And um, so that's why now I'm um, focusing more on preventive neurology and uh, degenerative diseases of the brain. Well, that's, that's awesome. Dean, tell us about your journey to where you are. Yeah, ironically, it's a very similar kind of path. I guess we all have something in our life that kind of directs us. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. we're aware of them. Sometimes uh, they're so hidden behind, uh, uh, you know, the different veils that we, 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 we never recognize. What was it that pushed us in one direction or another? Mine was the same, actually. Both my grandfather and grandmother suffered from Alzheimer's. Uh, my grandfather was a brilliant man and uh, very early on, uh, he had difficulty with his cognition and memory. Uh, 
In fact, we remember one occasion where this brilliant man who used to beat everybody in chess, uh, mm-hmm. sitting with all the grandchildren, uh, froze and didn't know how to make the next move. And that was, uh, and I was very young at that point. So I guess that was the starting point, the nidus uh, that uh, propelled me in this direction, neuroscience and then Alzheimer's. Okay, now we know that um, both both of you are so interested in prevention. And, and again, this very, very important point that I really want to make to listeners is a lot of people think that um, Alzheimer's and cognitive decline is simply a function of aging. It's inevitable. It's in your genes. And the work that you guys have been doing and others show that's really not the case. Dean, do you want to talk to that? Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, um, the, our brain does change as we grow older. Um, some things um, uh, that are obvious, that uh, things get a little slower, our ability to process things gets a little slower, um, our ability to retrieve things and memorize things gets a little slower, but th- we're talking in the order of milliseconds and, or nominal. But uh, in, in totality, in many ways, we actually, if there is no other medical problem or anything that's uh, uh, any adverse influence on the brain, it should actually continue to grow cognitively. You know, this whole concept of wisdom, you know, it is a reality in a different way, in a three-dimensional way. We do get wiser. We have greater vocabulary. We have greater ability to process information. So barring a degenerative disease, barring a, a vascular disease, our brain should do well, well into our you know, uh, ninth decade and beyond. So uh, whenever there is an abnormality, there is something going on that has uh, started the, the, the negative uh, aspects, uh, be it vascular or degenerative. Aisha, what would you say? Yeah, I agree. I think um, one of the things that we want to impress on some of the people that we see on a regular basis at the hospital or even our family members is just the definition of aging. You know, um, aging is not synonymous with um, having uh, memory problems or cognitive issues. And just like Dean said, um, if if everything is taken care of, the lifestyle risk factors are taken care of, one can have a very productive and healthy lifestyle till very late in age. So with your with your grandparents, I'm just curious if you knew, like if you if they knew now what you know, would would their outcomes have been every, every different at all? I think so. I mean, if we were in a position of influence, that's the key. <clears throat> and uh, given that I think both Aisha's and and my uh, grandfather and grandparents were pretty proactive, I think we could have instituted the kind of changes that at least would have delayed the onset, at least, or maybe more better than that if it was start if it was started earlier. Uh, <clears throat> we we our brain has an incredible capacity to withstand um, uh, 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 you know, assaults mm-hmm. and, 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 and disease. It has, uh, we have 100, nearly 100 billion neurons, 100 trillion or a quadrillion actually connections potentially. That's incredible power. This is way more than we need for normal brain functioning. I don't know if recently you saw an article that they showed a picture of a gentleman who had very little brain tissue left because of what they call hydrocephalus, this pressure that builds up and kills the neurons. But it's over a long period of time. And this person had a very small layer of neurons around the brain, yet this person was functioning fairly normally. So it's, it's, it's the ability 
to create that resilience early on that can protect you. Um, uh, so uh, we believe that if, if certain aspects of the lifestyle is changed, uh, we, can, we can have uh, a functional, vital brain uh, capacity well into our uh, centenarian uh, life. Wonderful. Um, you've been talking about if you manage the lifestyle factors, and I think you've just laid out the fact that all other things being equal, the brain is going to do pretty well and is going to live pretty well and, and function long into life. But it appears that currently uh, we indulge in various lifestyle behaviors that actually prevent that from happening or impact the brain negatively. Now, I'm sure listeners will probably guess some of those lifestyle factors, but uh, Aisha, what, what are some of the lifestyle factors that are coming out uh, and what is their importance to brain health? Well, so far, we, there's there's a lot of evidence from different research um, studies, and you know a lot of good work that some of the physicians are doing, gathering data from the patients, and the work that Dean and I have done in Loma Linda University and here at Cedar Sinai, we have uh, we have identified some of the prominent lifestyle factors that do have a significant effect on the brain. You know, things like nutrition and um, exercise or lack thereof, um, stress, um, uh, sleep, you know, sleep has a major effect on, on, uh, on the brain. And um, being socially active, being cognitively active, all of these factors have a major influence. If, for example, just a couple of months ago, the American Heart Association put out, they always put these reports out every year, and their report came out for 2016 where they have, where they identify, you know, seven risk factors for disease and how well we're doing as a nation on each of these aspects. And, you know, when it comes to things like nutrition, you know, less than 1% of the population is, um, is labeled as having a healthy dietary pattern. So there's a lot of work to do. And yes, we have been able to identify these, um, these uh, risk, lifestyle risk factors. Let me, um, let me did just, you want to weigh in? Yeah. Yeah. The, let me just uh, speak about the elephant in the room, genetics. <laughs> so people <laughs> keep talking about genetics. Um, yes, we're genetic beings. There's no question that we're genetic beings. Um, but we're, we're more of a epigenetic beings, meaning what happens to the genes. Genes give you a range within which we fall, um, uh, depending on what group of genes or what genes in particular you have, it determines what, where you fall, where your disease can manifest. Some diseases, depending on your genes, can have a range as, as wide as 40 years or 50 years. What happens to you, be it trauma to the brain, be it infections, repeated infections, we believe that this is actually the pattern in Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, what you eat, which is the biggest uh, factor, three times a day you're putting something in your, in your body that makes up the rest of your body, um, and how much activity you have, um, uh, the, the stressors, all these elements determine if particular disease, and in this case we're talking about brain diseases and brain function in general, falls on the lower side or the earlier stage of, of life or much later, in most cases, well beyond what, you know, where, where you would live, where you would, uh, you know, uh, uh, natural life uh, cycle. 
So uh, the genes only determine a range for most of the diseases, and uh, lifestyle and other epigenetic factors determine where you fall. And part of that is your medical problems, which is you know hypertension, cholesterol, all these things, how well they're being managed. And in reality, although medicine is usually needed to take care of the acute state, but even most of those in the, in the long term have to be managed and reversed and only can be, re- can be reversed through lifestyle factors. So that's why it is so critical to kind of educate the population and ourselves on a daily basis how to implement this in life. Absolutely, and I do think that that is one of the most important messages that I've got in in speaking with you and learning more about what you're doing. Is genetic? You ask most people; they think of uh, you know Alzheimer's, dementia, being almost all genetic. Oh, my dad had it, my grandma. They don't realize that actually much, much, much more is is to do with uh, the lifestyle lifestyle. Our factors. So right. when we come back, let us get into exactly more detail, exactly what we should be doing in terms of lifestyle that will keep our brains functioning throughout our lifespan. And when we come back on Master Your Life, that's exactly what we'll do. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, Please call in to 1-888-346-9141. 
That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin along with my co-host Leah Manson and today we have the great privilege of talking with two very prominent neurologists, Dean and Asia Shirzai. In the first half, they've been telling us about how lifestyle, perhaps even more than genetics, has a role to play in brain health throughout the lifespan and particularly as we get older. Um, What we'd like to do in this section is talk about some of those lifestyle factors, and we, we have the usual suspects, right, Asia? We have okay. nutrition and exercise and so forth. Um, but can you go a little more detail about what are the what are the positive things? What are the things we should be doing? What we should be looking for in terms of you know sleep, nutrition, exercise, social, emotional connection? Sure. So uh, you know, for for the most for most of us, we do have um, an idea that. Lifestyle is, is obviously very important for our general health. You know, the fact that um, what we do each and every day for a very, very long time is going to impact our brain and our body. We understand that. But when it comes to the specifics, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And uh, what Dean and I have tried to do is to um, kind of cut through the clutter and make it very clear. Uh, one of the things that we usually you know, try to highlight is the fact that it's not one element at a time that you need to um, address. It's everything at the same time. And even when you look at the scientific data, when they've looked at multiple aspects um, of lifestyle, say nutrition, exercise, good sleep, being very active, if people do all of these things at the same time, they do much better rather than, you know, taking one aspect of the element. Say, for example, I just want a specific vitamin and this vitamin is going to be good for my brain, but I'm not going to exercise. I'm not going to pay too much attention to my sleep. I'm not going to be very socially active, so on and so forth. So it doesn't really work that way. You have to take into consideration everything in your life. But that doesn't mean a lot of work. It just means identifying some of the good things that we're doing and keep on doing that and identifying the bad things and keep picking at it one, once, uh, one thing at a time until it becomes a habit. So trying to you know, increase the good things in our life and trying to decrease the bad things in our life. As far as nutrition, for example, is concerned, just cutting out sugar. You know, we, we all know that sugar is bad for, for, for health. Just cutting sugar is, is, is one of the important things uh, to do. Uh, for, for one of my patients that, that is really struggling very, um, very much with you know, getting rid of sugar from her, uh, from her meals, we've given her certain recipes, you know, even dessert recipes that don't have sugar that, that, that has a lot of fruits and um, natural things like, like uh, um, dates and things of that nature. And giving her recipes, helping her how to clean her pantry, how to um, eat out, you know, what are her choices. So those, those things actually help a lot. And then Dean actually talks a lot about physical exercise with his patients and um, uh, yeah. you know, teaches them how to do it on a regular basis. And this is important. I mean, first of all, um, uh, just to make it simple, well, we've created an acronym, NEURO, um, N-E-U-R-O, N-E-U-R-O. It's, uh, it sometimes helps uh, to have a, a simple concept like that. N is for nutrition, E is for exercise, U is for unwind, R is for restful sleep, and O is for optimizing mental and social activity. 
And oh, as I Aisha said, yeah, and neuro, and I, as Aisha said, the, uh, the nutrition component, it's synergy. Uh, it's actually simpler. In many ways, it's much easier for people to, to, uh, to, to implement this. It's synergy of things. It's food groups as opposed to a particular nutrient. It's, it's food groups as opposed to a particular vitamin. Uh, there's plenty of data now that you can actually, your body uses nutrients in a much more efficient way when it's in food groups. So here it is. Here's the nutrition component. So far, what we know, and that's the humility of science, we have to always say that, and it's that nutritionally, more plant-based food, no sugar or limited sugar, uh, and uh, polyunsaturated fats as opposed to saturated fats. You know, polyunsaturated and monounsaturated fats are things like olive oil and, and uh, 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 grapeseed uh, and all these other uh, no, uh, fats. And making sure that um, uh, the, if you're going to have fruit, not, you know, the juice uh, of all types, vegetation of all types, you know, plant-based diet. So simple plant-based, less sugar, less fat, uh, that, that has shown to have significant effect. When it comes to exercise, it seems to be that we have to do more exercise than we previously thought. So this is a little difficult. So you have to build your way slowly towards more aerobic exercise. Um, and I always believe in increments and in small steps because a lot of times we fail ourselves when we create unachievable or too big of a step of a goal and, and then we fail ourselves. So uh, small steps. And exercise has been shown to not only be protective, but has actually even been shown to increase growth of axons and connection of neurons. That's extremely important. And then uh, Aisha can talk about the uh, unwind, um, uh, which is uh, something that we have found with the, the is, is, is very important for this. Right. I, I mean, a lot of us have uh, have this problem, especially with, you know, uh, working in a very busy environment. I mean, there, there are a lot of people who have different levels of anxiety, and I'm sure Howard and Leah, you guys have uh, experienced that firsthand with, you know, with family members and friends all the time. And we now know that it directly um, harms the brain. Uh, we have actually been able to see structural damage because of um, social stressors um, on the brain. And uh, the one thing that we can do to reduce stress is to um, understand that there is no such thing as, uh, you know, multitasking. To reduce the number of tasks at hand, to focus on one thing at a time, and to give enough time for that for that particular uh, project. That is that has actually helped a lot of people that we have been dealing with in the hospital setting. You know, we always have so many things on our plate. But if we reduce it and we, if we spread it out, say, instead of doing five things in one day, do two things in one day and then leave, it, leave the rest for another day, people actually feel better. And they that's, achieve their goals and, and they, can, they can plan much better. That's so intuitive. I mean, uh, but, but it's, 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 it's a very important component. All our lives are full of multitasking uh, activities. I mean, every day, it's not one thing we're, that we're doing, but multiple things. And, and this, this false concept that multitasking is something that's normal and is doable, all the data shows that there is no such thing as effective multitasking. Uh, so just so, from its efficacy point of view, it's, it's not useful. 
But uh, as far as stress, the concept of multitasking has been shown to have tremendous stress on the brain. So as Aisha said, just focusing on a couple of activities per day does that. The second component is just any activity that you actually can incorporate in your life that can reduce stress. For example, mindfulness, uh, breathing, meditation, uh, prayer for, uh, for many. Anything that you can actually incorporate into your life that actively uh, reduces stress. One, one thing that a lot of my patients come in and say, I walk every day, but, but they use that as a measure of exercise. And I tell them, that's fantastic, but walking uh, a mile a day or you know, a few minutes a day is not exercise, but it's a great form of meditation and relaxation. And, and there's, there's evidence that that actually uh, reduces stress significantly. Yep, and um, the O is optimizing neuro, uh, is optimizing mental um, stimulation and and social stimulation too. Um, And I think that's also something that probably most people would under-recognize, that the the quality of social relationships is so important to health, and particularly brain health. Absolutely. I mean, uh, what I'm about to say next, people think that I have a particular gripe against uh, Sudoku, but Sudoku is not a solution for brain, you know, uh, brain uh, problems. <laughs> what? It, 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 I know. Sorry, Leah. <laughs> it, it, it is so contrived. I mean, I, I, my, my, my son loves Sudoku, but, but the brain was not created in this way. It is a multitasking organ. Mm-hmm. It thrives in having complex challenges, especially intrinsic challenges that come from you, that come from your desires, from your joys. It is when, when people uh, undertake activities that, that come from them, that involves memory, problem solving, uh, visual, spatial, attention, motor, and mood, this doesn't affect just one area of the brain, like the math area of the brain, but it exponentially affects the entire brain. The, the connections are significantly more. So what are those activities? You know, if you've never played musical instrument, but you always desire to, well, it's time to start now. I mean, some playing a musical instrument, of course, starting slowly. Uh, myself, I've been doing slowly playing guitar for 30 years, but that's okay. I, I enjoy it. But, yeah. but a, something like that or, or um, other activities that come from you that are complex and enjoyable, that's significant. We've been lied to about all these video games and uh, computer games that are contrived and don't affect the brain as much. Yes, yeah, and I think there's even been I think there's even been some cases in the states where people who've manufactured those games have actually been taken to task for, um, you know, misleading people uh, through marketing efforts. That there's actually some positive affect for the brain, and and uh, I I love the idea of not doing Sudoku but learning how to play harmonica because. <laughs> I'm absolutely. sure my family is going to love that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, doing these activities or performing these activities in, in the context of the, a social setting is even better. So mm-hmm. any activity that involves, um, you know, putting yourself in a situation where there are other people and you interact with them, that's, that is much, much better. We had a couple of patients come in very upset and sad because they're, you know, whoever they dealt with, the doctor or physician told them that they had to do some puzzles to keep themselves busy and they absolutely hated those puzzles and that actually caused more anxiety and stress in their life rather than, you know, keeping them active. 
So they changed, and uh, we had this one lady who volunteered in the hospital that we worked with, and she worked in one of the gift stores, and she made a lot of friends. And you know, we could we could see the the difference in in her in her mood, at least uh, short term and long term. Just being involved made her feel better, and she was faster, and she felt that fog uh, go away from 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 her uh, from her thinking process. So absolutely, I think you know, and thinking things like volunteering or being with family members, whatever whatever feels comfortable and whatever keeps one active is is the best way to go. To add another layer to that, although the science on this needs to be better validated, but but there's plenty of uh, population-based data that a a purpose-driven activity um, Mm -hmm. is even more um, uh, beneficial. You know, the concept of volunteering, the concept of uh, working with others, uh, the concept of finishing something that you had started that you had never uh, finished before. I literally have put seven or eight of my patients uh, um, uh, starting uh, having them start writing their memoirs and the family got involved in this process and that you could see them brighten up their whole demeanor changed and the challenge of doing something like that which is recalling information processing that information organizing it Mm-hmm. And also all the emotional connections and the family. Yes. It is absolutely amazing. Let me say, it's not Sudoku. No, it's not Sudoku. I, and I laugh because I think about my father who has Huntington's and his um, journey. And he's 76 and he's in, he's in fantastic shape. But a lot of it is to do with the fact that we socialize so much as a family and make meals together and... Uh, enjoy hearing, you know, the stories of his youth. And they all, he tells everything still with an emotional connection. So he hasn't kind of lost that affect that I think people lose affect even when they're sitting in their living rooms, just like there's no expression and they don't tap into the emotion of the moment. So you can make yourself well just by thinking something and feeling it at the same time. It's quite amazing how powerful our brains and our bodies are. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and... Very, very important point that you made, I think, is that it's not any one of these things in isolation. And I see this all the time. You know, you may see five ways to improve your health, one, two, three, four, five. Those five things are not separate. They are interdependent. They mm-hmm. depend on each other. Yeah. They they work together, and that and that's very very important. What you're saying, because I because I do see people who say, well, you know, I exercise and I eat sort of right, but I'm you know I have a very busy life and I don't have time to do this, that, and the other. Well, you know, you're not doing all of the things. The other thing that I wanted to mention, I think, is very important. That how important is it? And I know because you've shared with me some of these studies where you look at people who are doing the people who are doing you know the right things you know eighty percent of the time, and you compare them to people who are doing them maybe ten percent of the time, and the reduced risk for the people who are doing it 80% of the time for dementia is incredible. It's like 70, 80% reduced risk because they're doing all of the things most of the time compared to hardly any of them none of the time. Isn't, isn't that correct? I know we we're about to sign out here, but, but uh, in, terms of, in terms of the actual impact, it's incredible, right? It is. It is. Absolutely. It's exponential. It's not additive. I mean, um, uh, ha- having multiple activity of these activities in, uh, in your life, uh, it, it's, it 
See, let me tell you, we believe that for, except for the 5% or so who are so genetically prone that the, the range is narrow, so they're going to get it within a very narrow range. For the other 90 to 95%, lifestyle and, and, and how you deal with it early on or even later on can significantly delay or completely abate the disease uh, uh, that's, that's an incredible number for a disease that is affecting nearly 6 million Americans today. Yeah, and and throughout the world, nearly 35 million people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great. So when we come back on the other side of Master Your Life, we're going to talk about some practical things that people can do, listeners can do, we can all do, to make sure that we have got these lifestyle behaviors in our life. So when we come back to Master Your Life, that's exactly what we'll do. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. We go through all kinds of challenges in life. How we deal with them is a different story. If we carry them on our shoulders, we can experience health problems, relationship issues, and other negative aspects these challenges can pose. Jeanette Abney's Precious Predicaments is here to help you pick up and sort out the pieces through education and encouragement. You don't have to live in fear and pain. Let's find solutions together. Precious Predicaments is heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Liam Madison, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah, that's L-E-A-H-A, at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin. I'm along with my co-host Leah Mattinson. We're talking today with two prominent neurologists. We're thrilled to have them, Aisha and Dean Sherzai, and they've been talking to us about lifestyle factors and how important that is for brain health throughout the lifespan. 
Um, so we've been talking about what we need to do. Of course, knowing what to do and actually doing it is a different story. So, Dean, tell us about some of the tools and things you have learned about how to get people to go from knowledge to action. Yeah, so it, it, a lot of books and a lot of um, TV shows are based around just throwing information, a lot of times contradictory information. So we've gotten past the information, uh, and um, it. To, the, to, to date, we kind of know what needs to be done. So we kind of uh, we alluded to that earlier. But the step that is required is never spoken about, which is how do you how, how does anybody implement that in their own life? So we've given a lot of stuff. We thought, we talked about neuro, uh, you know, nutrition, exercise, unwind, uh, restful sleep, and and optimizing mental and social activity. So how do we, uh, and, and the central thing is it has to be individual driven because I can't apply somebody else's motivations, somebody else's resources, somebody else's, you know, time resources and equipment resources and everything to another person that has completely different um, environment. Mm-hmm. So the, the key is to kind of uh, um, teach ourselves, all of us, what is what is my capability right now, given that I need to do X, Y, and Z? So let's take nutrition. And, and, and in order to be successful in anything, you have to create a step or a ladder of successes because that actually creates momentum and motivation, and then it becomes habit. So in nutrition, it's good to uh, – the ultimate aim is to, to do all of this stuff that we talked about, you know, plant-based, no sugar, uh, no saturated fat. Um, uh, you know, all that stuff. But it's also important to start with success. Whatever, uh, which one, whichever one of those elements that you can do in your life easily is critical. For example, one of the easy ones for a lot of my patients are eliminate sugar or mm-hmm. reduce it as much as possible. So the first step is identify where is the sugar in your life. And it's not just the added sugar. We're talking about our sugar that's in, in all these products. How can I reduce it significantly? And just by doing that, the importance of that is a lot of my patients came and said after a couple of months, you know, I felt a fog lifting. So, and more importantly, they felt a sense of success. I took a part of it and I, I was succeeded. And in exercise, the same thing in, in meditation or restful, just five minutes of, you know, meditative breathing. And the same thing with sleep, which we'll talk about. If in each of these, you take one element and master that, one small element and have it written somewhere where it's visible, which reinforces you every day, motivates you every day. You are way ahead of everybody else as far as uh, steps towards successful brain, healthy brain aging. And for that matter, because brain and the rest of the body are the same for, for the rest of the body as well. And so for, for, the, for people who are struggling with the motivation to, let's just say the first thing, the eliminating sugar, uh, um, one of the things, I, I don't know if this has worked with your, with your patients or clients or not, but I definitely get my clients who are coming off sugar to commit, commit to doing it right away and then to, to notice the difference probably in about three days of how their brain function is different. But I get them to write it down just like you're suggesting, but that whole um, immediate action, um, what I was referring to you right at the top of the show about that if I think about something too much, I never execute. And this getting yeah. into the execution of a plan beyond the writing it down, so those little bits. But that brain fog, once it lifts, 
it's like something to really look forward to because it's pretty exciting that all of a sudden you're thinking changes about things and you're able to yeah you're able to not be numb like emotionally because this brain fog is kind of gone right right and and another example is is sleep Um, Mm -hmm. you know sometimes uh, a lot of our patients have sleep disorders and they don't even Mm -hmm. know about it and when we work with them with uh, regards to sleep hygiene just telling them to change their sleeping patterns just having a good night's sleep makes a huge difference you know the next day they do better they do more work they're more vivacious they they are motivated to do um, you know more activities to get better brain so that's that's another example sleep mm-hmm. is a big one sleep is one that you know everybody says yeah i need sleep but they don't, they really don't believe that it's that significant we know it is significant um, uh, one of the disorders which is called sleep apnea mm-hmm. um, is one of the more underdiagnosed diseases as we get older uh, and it has tremendous effect on the brain negative effect on the brain and so many of my patients have come in who've had sleep apnea, which has never been diagnosed, and when they are treated for it, it's night and day, the next day. It's, it's sleep apnea. Basically, a person is not getting oxygen for minutes at a time throughout the night. And, of course, that's going to end uh, with damage to the neurons, to the brain in general. So uh, uh, sleep is critical, and, and beyond sleep apnea, abnormal sleep patterns, or even worse, medications that people take because they don't have a good sleep hygiene, sleep behavior. So nobody's you know, spoken to them about sleep hygiene and what things can actually affect sleep, that the fact that if you eat food within two hours of sleeping, for a great majority of us, it can, without us knowing that it's a GI thing, that actually it keeps you awake. So that's why it's critical to kind of address those issues as well. Yeah, you mentioned something there that's important. You talked about medications, and we had uh, Scott Walker on the show. He was talking about yeah how he manages his bipolar illness with with uh, lifestyle behaviors really more than medications. Um, and we're getting more and more research on some of the negative effects of, of common medications that are given for all sorts of conditions. Presumably that's a concern too as we get to know more that we shouldn't perhaps rely first on medications or should be very cautious about medications for everything, right? Absolutely. I think um, um, unfortunately all the medications that um, that we get from our physicians and over the counter, you know, they have a lot of side effects. And just taking an example of a very simple medication that we're all exposed to, you know, acid reflux medication. Recently, um, a, a large database study came out saying that um, acid reflux uh, medication or, or PPIs are associated with cognitive impairment. That they the chronic use of these medication cause um, uh, memory problems and go on into developing dementia. So, you know, something as simple as managing your diet properly so you don't get any heartburn, uh, you know, completely gets rid of that. And um, when it comes to medication for dementia itself, I mean, first of all, there is no particular medicine or treatment for dementia, unfortunately, as far and so far. And, you know, all the other medications that are given for cognitive impairment are just to get rid of some of the symptoms. And after a while, they don't work, and you get to see a lot of the side effects. So 
for many reasons, it's important to prevent the disease rather than, you know, treat it because, unfortunately, the results haven't been great. Uh, something as simple as diet, let's get getting back to that, sorry, uh, uh, beating a, a dead horse, but uh, it's, uh, it's for stroke in particular, Aisha just uh, wrote a major paper, a research on, on 140,000 teachers, and uh, you want to uh, speak, she will speak to that, but just diet significantly lowered chance of stroke, where there's not much else that can lower your risk of stroke that much. The same is true for dementia. Nothing else has been shown to reduce dementia risk in studies, and the only thing that's been shown to actually reduce the risk is lifestyle variables. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so is there any connection that you guys have read um, that also connects depression to nutrition? Absolutely. Um, uh, the nutrition and, and depression is strongly correlated. In fact, um, one of the things that we see often, and it's uh, quite fortuitous because we didn't expect this. Well, the literature said it, but since it's not our focus, is yeah. a lot of patients that we put on lifestyle change and the nutrition stuff, the first thing that we see actually is a change in mood. Mm-hmm. A change in, 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 in anxiety and, and, and depression uh, prevalence. So that's been a very uh, positive thing that we've, uh, we've seen. The other thing that's related to depression reduction, as you might know, is exercise. Exercise has been found to be much better than any drug out there for a, a consistent regimen of exercise for depression reduction. So, um, but uh, it's something that uh, is not prescribed often in a clinical setting from two directions. One is patients, when they come to doctors, because of our, the way we are in our culture, we expect a pill. And if, it, if you're not given a pill, the doctor is not doing its job. But in reality, the lifestyle component is significantly more effective in many settings. We're not against drugs. Many of the wonderful mm-hmm. drugs we have uh, help quite a bit with, with, uh, with disease conditions. But in many others, um, it, it, lifestyle can be much more effective or, um, early on. Okay, so as we come towards the end, we always like to uh, give our listeners some practical, simple tools, uh, maybe just one simple tool that they could use that can get them in the right direction. Um, I'll give you each uh, 90 seconds to talk about perhaps your favorite one or one that you think would be helpful for a listener. Aisha, would you like to kick that off? Sure. I, I, will, I will talk about nutrition, uh, food. Um, as Dean mentioned earlier, it's about the synergy of all these foods um, that matter most. So one of the helpful things that, you know, my, my patients have, um, have made a part of their life is to be very organized about what they eat during the day, um, to eat um, um, plant-based, whole food, unprocessed, but preparation for it is important. So spending at least one or two hours a week to clean up the pantry, to make healthy food available in the refrigerator. So the first thing you open up the refrigerator is not a piece of cake, uh, is you know probably um, a salad or some vegetables for snacks. That helps quite a lot. So just being organized about your, your pantry and your refrigerator, and that makes it easy because we are all very, very busy and we don't like spending a lot of time thinking about food. So it's, it's basically ready. As far as exercise is concerned, one of the things that has helped um, our patients, and Dean will talk about it, is just being very, um, it has to be easy. It has to be around you. Um, you know, the first thing that you uh, see, first you wake up in the morning, either in your living room or in your bedroom, 
is either a treadmill or a recumbent bike or something that you can um, use for exercising and forget about you know walking to the gym or dressing up to mm-hmm. go there, which is another ordeal. Mm-hmm. Um, so just simplifying and making it easy and available and around you and a major part of your life is something that helps a lot. The thing that fails us is an unavailability or or uh, a stress. Uh, whenever there's stress, the, the the easiest thing, the thing that 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 historically comforted us, we go to it the, the, the first. Uh, either we go uh, sit on a chair, uh, uh, a comfortable seat, watch TV, or we open the fridge and get the sweet, you know, the 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 this uh, addictive drug, uh, the, the sugar. Um, so if we replace those. Slowly over time, the alternative becomes a habit. So proximity and ease and availability is critical. That's critical. On my end, the sleep thing, I'm, I'm going to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, sleep hygiene. A couple of uh, cues there. Um, if you are tired, even if you've slept eight or nine hours, yet during the day you're still asleep, uh, you're still tired, and you have to take naps or even uh, you, you snore at night, or somebody has even observed you uh, holding your breath, that's, of course, uh, uh, warrants for you to be evaluated for sleep apnea. But other than that, not eating a couple of hours before sleep, not drinking uh, an hour or so before sleep, making sure that you go to bed the same time and wake up eight or nine hours afterwards, depending on whatever you want, afterwards. And no matter what kind of sleep you had that night, not taking a nap during the day because you want to set a pattern. that you, you uh, and, and, and more importantly, late at night, not participating in activities that are stimulating and overstimulating and, and making sure that, you know, you're not playing on video games or on the iPad and, and you have, a, a, you know, watching a movie that's a really high action. Things of the, 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 this nature can really influence you. And, of course, caffeine goes without saying not, 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 not having caffeine. So those simple activities have significantly affected the lives of my patients as far as their sleep hygiene. Excellent, excellent. Well, well, thank you so much. It's been awesome. I'm, well, I'm sure we'll have you back again. Um, for our listeners, um, if they want to find out more about you or connect with, connect with your ideas, uh, where can they go? Sure. We have a website called brainhealthyliving.org uh, where we post articles and uh, the readers can read it. We also have a Facebook page called uh, The Brain Healthy Living and uh, our Twitter handle is Team Shares I. Okay. And yeah. um, I think this has been so important, Leah, in terms of helping people understand that lifestyle is probably even more important than they thought, particularly yes, as I far think, as brain health. Yeah, and really to think about that if you have a really happy brain, you have a really happy life. Absolutely. 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 Uh, yeah, that's, that's very well put. Um, I like that. A happy brain equals a happy life. Um, well, I'm, cer- I'm certainly very happy after our show today. Thank you so much again. Yes, uh, it's been it's been awesome. Um, Leah, did you want to add anything? In the last few seconds. No, I just feel I just feel so privileged to have had um, both of you on the show with just so much expertise and depth and um, giving hope. I think where sometimes people can feel hopeless about how much control they do or they don't have, um, and thinking that 95% of everything can be controlled just by doing a few really simple things. I just think that's so empowering for people to hear. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much for having us. It was a pleasure being here. And thank you for uh, letting us talk about the subject that we're very passionate about. And we do truly believe that um, um, there, there is a very good way to have healthier brains. Well, okay, hopefully we'll all have happy brains after this. Um, We will see your happy brains next time on Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, and from my co-host Leah Mattinson, that's bye for now. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.